Welcome to a negotiation conversation with experts sharing their experience, lessons, and advice. These recorded sessions may occasionally include quirky background noises and recorded adjustments because they're casual conversations focused on providing valuable content. I'm your host, Penny Rosema. Welcome, Mimi. So great to have you on the call there today. Hey, Penny, you're one of my favorites. So, you know, I couldn't resist an opportunity to chat with you. Oh, you're always so sweet. I want to start by just talking a little bit about you, um, what your leadership courses and your keynotes. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I like long walks on the beach and trashy. Oh, sorry. That was my dating profile introduction. <laughs> um, <laughs> so one of the things I love about what I get to to do is to help people own their swag, whether it's an organization or individual, and really help people create a culture where they can bring their full selves to work. Whether you work for yourself or you work for others, it's how do I really dig into who I am and have the courage and confidence to unapologetically be your full self? That says it all. Permission to be who you are. Thank you, Mimi. And I want to remind listeners, you'll find more information about Mimi, links to her website, and contact information in the show notes of this episode. My first question I wanted to ask you, Mimi, is what type of formal negotiation training do you have experience with? Could be work, it could have been outside training, and, and even a mentor. What experience do you have? I would say it's a hard knock life. It's, so it totally comes from the School of Hard Knocks. And interestingly enough, it's this amazing woman. You might know her. Her name is Penny Rosema. She has been so helpful in helping me negotiate. Whenever I have like a panic moment, Penny, I know I can call on you and you've been fantastic. Thank you, Mimi, for the kind words. And of course, I'm always willing to help. You call me anytime. Um, What has been most memorable in your negotiations? This could be a good experience or a bad experience for you personally. One of my most memorable negotiation experiences was actually negotiating a keynote. And I remember this so vividly, Penny, because you helped me with it. I had, a, I had a client who had been on my list for a long time. I had been prospecting and they finally called me. And I had done all the right things around practicing my uh, the amount of money I was gonna charge for this engagement. And, um, and it was so funny because when it was time, I, uh, I knew the number, she said, you know, what's your keynote fee? And I said it with confidence. And then she said, well, what if we want you for two days? And I'm like, this is not in the, what I had practiced. I was like, no. And so I did the math really quick, uh, which by the way, people pay me to speak. They don't pay me to math. And I came up with a number and I gave her the number and she said, she didn't say anything. I was like, dang it. I should have went higher. Um, and then I remember she called, she sent me an email and said, what if you would take X amount, which was about, it was a thousand dollars less than what I'd asked for. And I was kind of in this poo poo mood because I go, well, no, I asked you for that amount. And I thought that was fair. And actually I probably could have been more. And so I remember Penny calling you and you gave me a couple rules to follow. You said, number one, maybe don't do it through email. Make sure you set up a phone call. You said number two is if they have, you know, if they had 10 grand, they got 11 grand. So keep that in mind. I was a good point because I was getting ready to just accept the 10. 
And then you told me, you know, what, you know, know what your walk away point is, know what you're willing to accept. You don't have to tell them that, but just know that kind of in your hearts of hearts. And then the last part that you told me, I think that was most important is let the silence do the heavy lifting. So be thoughtful in your, your approach, but also know um, silence is your friend. Mm. And uh, I took all, I took feverish notes that day. I think my hand is still cramping years later from all the great nuggets you gave me. And I remember getting, getting the amount. Oh, let me, let me say, actually the most important thing that you said to me is, which is the phrase I use to this day is X amount, a deal breaker for you. And then you told me to be quiet. And I had to literally sit on my hands and like put my hand over my mouth and count and sweat. And I remember when I asked the client, I said, you know, I said, is, is, uh, you know, I said, I think it was like 11 grand. I said, is 11 grand a deal breaker for you? And she said, no, I just wanted to know if you would take 10. And I was like, oh my God, you had me stressing? Really? I was so outdone. But that was probably my most memorable negotiation. It also told me the power that we have. And sometimes we give away our power. Yeah. Oh my God. Great, great, great stories, my friend. Uh, my next question is now that you're, uh, you're applying all these great negotiation techniques, how do you recommend preparing for a difficult negotiation? Are there any steps that you use? Absolutely. So one of the steps that I think is an essential is doing your research and homework, knowing a lot about your, your the person you're going to negotiate with both personally and organizationally, like what do they care about? What's important to them? Because some things that are important to you aren't necessarily important to them. As an example, um, I'm sitting in my new house that I just recently um, moved stuff into. And I remember when we were sending the purchase agreement or the negotiation in for the house. And I've been through this housing process for two years. So I was really tired. But I love my agent because he said he called the other agent and asked, what's most important for them? And I had we had came up with this really long list of things that we thought that they that mattered to them. They wanted more occupancy. That was easy. I mean, I was willing to give away extra money. They didn't care about that. they were building a house. So the longer they could actually stay in their house, the more likely they were to choose the offer. And I gave I think I gave them like 60 days. We paid for it and they were ecstatic. But it's no, you got to do your homework. <laughs> Nothing beats a great story. Just to recap, be curious, ask questions. Don't assume you know everything about what is important to your counterpart, whether you're talking about your negotiations for your keynote um, or buying a house, asking them good questions is important. The next question I like to ask my, uh, in my interview conversations here is mental and emotional preparation. And I think this really reaches back to you in your leadership training. Um, how do you, and what tips do you have for preparing emotionally for a negotiation? Well, first and foremost, and people leave emotion out of things and in the sales world, emotion is everything. People buy based on emotion and then they justify with logic. So if you know that going in, how do you check in with yourself to ensure that you are detached from the outcome? So one of the things I've learned from a negotiation standpoint is if I really, really, really want a deal, it comes across. Like sometimes it's, it's, it's overwhelming for them. So I really try to check in with myself and determine how can I detach emotionally from the outcome? So if I give my very best step, and one of the easiest things, uh, Penny, is to breathe. So often when you get anxious and stressed, 
and I do this with some of my audiences as I'm training leaders, take a breath and notice that how your shoulders will start to drop from your earlobes. Cause we hold so much stress and pressure in our, in our shoulders that you just got to breathe. The other thing that I do um, is I write everything down. So what points do I want to make sure that I stress? What's most important to me? I might highlight that because then I have a point of reference that keeps me at that emotional equilibrium that's important so that I don't get too excited, but also don't get, you know, I don't drop too low. The other thing that I would like to have you talk a little bit about, because I know that's what you train on is, um, and especially for women, it's not just women, men have this challenge too, but that permission to be yourself, number one, and that advocate for yourself. Do you talk to that about in your leadership training? I do. I think authenticity is key. I've so, I can count story, countless stories, but what actually comes to mind for me is actually something that happened to me yesterday. So I think I mentioned, I just moved into this house and uh, I've done moves actually twice. We moved all the stuff into my house into a pod and then we moved it. I got some work done and then we moved the stuff from the pod into the house. Well, the day that I moved, it was horrendous. It took 12 hours when it was only supposed to take three. The power went out halfway through. It's pitch black outside. My movers are already exhausted and they, and I just knew they were going to quit because they couldn't see. And they had the last load of items had to come out of the basement. So imagine it's, 12 o'clock at night, you're trying to move all this stuff. And I'm praying that these, these, these guys are going to keep moving. And they, they really were in all their right not to. But it's how I showed up as myself. When they first got there, I greeted them. I said, I got snacks for you guys. I got water. By the way, food always works. Um, I made sure they had, they had lunch and dinner because they were there for a long time. And I was just really kind. And I was myself. And interestingly enough, yesterday, as the same gentleman who moved me, moved all the items um, into the pod, he actually moved them into the house. And he said, do you remember the move? I said, how could I forget? He said, you were probably thinking that we were going to quit. I said, I was praying that you weren't. He said, what was the difference is is how you showed up. You were kind to me. You were nice. You were um, empathetic. And that's all a part of who I am. Because I think sometimes people get into these situations where they think they have to be like, like a, you know, a, a really hard. And um, I was just myself. I was laughing with them, joking with them. And that being me paid off because they actually finished the move. Oh, that is wonderful. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit too, because I know you probably talk about this in your leadership training about um, being confident enough to advocate for yourself. Yeah. For a lot of women specifically, we are socialized not to. We are socialized that if we're too aggressive, um, and I use aggressive with air quotes, that will be the label, the B word. And really the difference is, is learning how to be assertive versus aggressive and knowing what you want and what you deserve and that you have the right to that. So often we like yield to other people's wishes or even in the language that we use, we use very loosey goosey language like, well, I kind of sort of would really appreciate if you would consider instead of being direct with what we want. And you can be direct. And I'm going to use a, a term from one of our colleagues, Joyce Weiss, who said you can be direct with respect. And what I often encourage women to think about is the difference between being assertive and being aggressive is I'm still respecting the thoughts and needs and feelings of that other individual while still asserting what I need. And what, and what I have the right to, need, to, to want. And I think sometimes we 
and I'm going to speak to women again, because that's uh, the primary audience that I'm in front of, is we will often yield our own um, wants and desires because we're hoping to be a, pe we're a people pleaser. And so, and then you're left holding the bag, like, well, I didn't really want that, but we're conditioned to it. So the first question I ask yourself is what do you want? Absolutely. Right. I, I, I just love that. We've talked about this before, Mimi, and I know you have some great stories on this, using the power of silence in a negotiation. You got any good ones for me on that one? Oh my gosh. One of my absolute favorite ones, Penny, is I was, I got a phone call from a colleague and he was negotiating a salary internally in a, in a promotion. And typically you see the biggest jump in salary for most folks between companies, but he had the opportunity to do this within a, within a job role. And he was going from an individual contributor to a supervisor. And more specifically, he was going to a group that actually had some cash. Like he kind of knew this was a, a, a primed area where a lot of attention to focus, the company was you know, putting resources into. And so he calls me and says, well, Mimi, what I got, I really want to get this role, but I want to make sure I'm being compensated properly. What do you recommend? And I said, well, first and foremost, and I was going back to my Penny Rosema negotiation boot camp <laughs> conversations. And I said, well, first and foremost, don't do it through email. And when he calls you, the most important thing that you can do is be quiet because you will talk yourself out of money. And I know I've done it before. And so I said to him, and his name was Jesse. I said, Jesse, when he gets on the phone call, he's all excited. He's going to offer you the job. Count for 10 seconds. And I said, I need it to be a full 10 seconds because the person to break the tension is the one who's going to lose, quote unquote. Your job is to create the tension there and keep the power back in your space. And so I said, whatever you have to do, if you have to put your hand over your mouth, you got to bite your lip. If you have to put a sign up, if you have to um, put the phone on mute and scream and sing loud, whatever you need to do, 10 seconds is your magic number or more. And so he said, okay, Mimi. And then I gave him some other tips, but he, he calls. So the hiring manager calls, hey, Jesse, I want to offer you X, Y, and Z. And I said, if that's your point, he started counting. So he says, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And at eight, the hiring manager says, oh my God, did I offend you? I can give you more money. <laughs> he didn't even make it to 10 seconds. <laughs> and Jesse said he was just, he was totally surprised. He said he was just, beside himself and that actually he yielded a 25% pay increase um and he, he said it was one of his best jobs ever but the hiring manager was so uncomfortable with the silence that he thought something was wrong and he, he gave him some more money right and uh to clarify that when he counted he was counting in his mind there was just no word Correct. Oh, yeah that's important yeah I wanted what was important for me to know and for the audience to know is 10 seconds can feel like an eternity mm-hmm it feels forever. And right. so it's, that's why, that's what Jesse counted. Cause he goes, I need to really know what that, that feels that time feels like. Um, and it was, it was key. It was so crazy. There, there are a few other stories that are like that in some of our podcasts where people have, um, you know, use that power of silence. And that, that, that one is probably one of the best ones I've heard. Um, let's talk about when you're in the, you, you, you prepare for the negotiation, 
do you plan for, we kind of talked to at the beginning about when would I walk away or what's, what's my plan B? What are my alternatives? Talk to that about how you prepare in a negotiation or experiences you've had with other people on what that alternative plan is and how they keep that in front of them and how it affects how they negotiate. Yeah. So I'll actually use a salary example because I've helped a lot of people negotiate that, especially women is create an exhaustive list of everything that you want. And as a part of that, know that, and I encourage people, put it at the top of the paper. If I get, if I don't get at least this, then I know I'm willing to walk away. And you have, and talk about emotional preparation, Penny, you have to be prepared for that. And sometimes I think it's helpful to have that partner to, to, to role play with. So that if they do say that you have the right words. Cause what I feel like for a lot of folks is it's the wording. Like, what do I say? Uh, I want to make sure that I'm maybe preserving the relationship or the interaction, but I also want to advocate for myself. And so I encourage people write down what that walk away list is. And here's the other part is oftentimes it doesn't get to that. It may be it's it's, that's why you got to do your research ahead of time, because it's knowing what does that other person care about? Like in salary negotiations, if you do your homework, like on Glassdoor or, or other groups, it's they will tell you typically what matters to the company. Sometimes you might want X salary, but they're not willing to go up in salary, but they'll give you other fringe benefits like vacation time or um, uh, professional development fund or a company car, but you got to do your research. And like, hey, would I give up the extra 10 grand that I'm asking for for a company car? Absolutely, but you got to know what that looks like. The other part is uh, in, the re- in the reverse. So if they say they're going to give you X amount, what does that, so maybe they, they will go up in salary, but they're going to take away things and fringe benefits. You have to ask yourself, what do you want? And what means, what is, what means most to you? And only you can decide that. Right. Um, and thank you for uh, pointing that out on my website. I have a PDF that is a memory jogger for job negotiations. I used to call it salary negotiations, but it's bigger than the salary. And there's just a ton of things. And what is important to me might not be the same thing that really is of value to you. So there's a memory jogger out there. And I might even um, go over that list with you sometimes, see if there's some more things that you have um, ideas on that are not already listed on that list, on that uh, PDF. Last question, my friend, general recommendations or bits of wisdom, leadership, negotiation, what final thoughts do you have? Um, Know and appreciate your power. Uh, Know that you can ask for what you want and be willing to advocate for yourself. And know that this is a contact sport. And I say that often in sales is the more you do it, the more you have guidance in doing it the correct way, the better you'll become. And, you know, baby step your way into it. Um, preparation. I, I think I heard a speaker coach once say 99% preparation equals 1% perspiration. So the more prepared you are walking into the situation, I feel like the better the negotiation will go. And then do the role play. Um, oftentimes in my classes and trainings and keynotes, people will roll their eyes when I'm like, we're going to do a role play. They're like, oh my God. But the question I often ask is, when will you ever have an opportunity to practice other than when you're in the situation? And if you think about it like that, would you rather practice with your, your potential negotiate, if that's the right term, or in that, that situation? Or would you rather have a trusted friend or colleague who could give you feedback in the moment so you can be better when you're actually in the situation? 
I, I want it. So I call it real play. Try to make it as real as you can. And uh, usually you'll, you'll, you'll negotiate better. That I totally support your uh, observation on that. In role playing, you start to be able to actually perceive it from the your counterpart side, and it's it's very eye opening. So um, I I totally agree with you on that role playing and and thank you, my friend. Let's talk about uh, again your website, your training, your what you offer. Let's, let's I don't want to leave uh, my uh, guests, uh, you know, missing that. Now you can re listen to this podcast, by the way. And when you find these great uh, nuggets of information from Mimi, remember that she does leadership training. Uh, reach out to her, but let's get your um, web page, which will be in the, the show notes. And then, uh, you know, some key information if you got any events coming up. Yeah. So if you go to ampupsuccess.com, so A M P U P success.com, and I don't know why I add that on. It's just a funny ditty, but. Uh, and you can uh, reach out to me there. Also, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. On LinkedIn, or excuse me, on Facebook and Instagram, I'm at Hey Mimi Brown. If you want to follow, and then on LinkedIn, I'm under Amelia Mimi Brown, motivational leadership speaker. So I would love to connect. Yes, listeners, we'll have all of those links in the show notes. But I want to remind you. If your organization is looking for a keynote speaker, I'll tell you that a keynote from Mimi is like a conversation with your best friend. Mimi has an uncanny knack for making real connections with people right from the stage. You and I know today's audiences don't want to be passive listeners and they don't want to be lectured. They want to be involved in the experience. And I'll tell you what, Mimi does not disappoint. So look her up. You will find the link in the show notes for this episode. But just to remind you, it's ampupsuccess.com. Thanks again, Mimi. Thank you, Penny. I'm so grateful. All right. Love chatting with you. All right, my friend. Talk to you soon. That's a wrap for this episode of Enhancing the Negotiation Conversation. Remember, in negotiation, you have control of two things, how you prepare for what might happen and how you react to what just happened. Stop empowering others. You determine the quality of your negotiation. Be the most prepared person in the negotiation conversation. Enjoy the day.